Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey there, Sarah Shaw here with another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. And I'm really excited. I'm here today with Jill Smokler, who is a noted entrepreneur, a social influencer, New York Times bestselling author, and an amazing community builder. So Jill was the founder of Scary Mommy, and she spent the last 10 years creating and curating online content for parents, having grown her one-time mommy blog, which of which I was a huge fan when my kids were little, uh, into one of the most influential digital parenting properties in the world. And during her tenure at Scary Mommy, most recently as the chief content officer, Jill used candor, humor, and humility to redefine the role and influence of parents online. And she had an amazing commitment to publishing honest, compelling, and sometimes extremely controversial content Combined with her uncanny sense of how parents are willing to interact with brands online, she created a totally new kind of digital parenting ecosystem that has given moms a voice and brands a roadmap for engaging the sought-after mom audience. And in 2017, Forbes magazine named Jill a top 10 parenting influencer. So Jill, welcome. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's just dive on in. So you started um, Scary Mommy back in 2008, and it really kind of started about a blog as your own life as a mom, right, and kind of showing how parenting doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, I mean, really at the beginning, it just started as a place where I could share pictures of the kids and funny little stories because back then there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, right. we were sending, you know, those Shutterfly albums of pictures, <laughs> like roll your eyes when you got them. And <laughs> I didn't want to be that annoying person, but I wanted to show off my kids and, you know, be able to talk about how wonderful I thought they were. Um, so a blog seemed like a fun way to do that. And I, I really didn't see it developing beyond that at all and just kind of expected it to fizzle out after a few months the way most of my little projects <laughs> seem to do. <laughs> and so what do you, do you think that, I mean, what do you, what do you think like when you look way back then, like what do you think about it made it just explode? Because I know that you shared a lot about kind of how to be your own kind of perfect and that you didn't have to be, you know, like a quote unquote, you know, whatever people think about as a perfect mommy and, you know, who's smiling all the time, <laughs> you know, oh, and has an apron on, right, you know, and is like, well, I cooked dinner and got it on the table by six. Yeah, um, no, that is not me. That, <laughs> that was, yeah, me, me that either. Was not, <laughs> yeah, that was not the, the type of life I was sharing. The wonderful thing was, because it wasn't, I didn't set out to create this website or this community, it just really was my voice, and it just, 
everything grew upon that. So, you know, I, I'm constantly messing up and, you know, forgetting things and doing things half-assed and there's, there was no pretending. So as when I started to try and grow the site, I wanted to find other people with that sort of voice and sort of um, acceptance of failure and that parenting is not, you know, there is not a handbook. It is not easy. It's the, the only way to make it easier is sort of to feel like you're part of this club and everybody's struggling with you. Um, and there are a lot of people out there who, who are funny and who have fun experiences and, you know, crazy experiences. And I wanted to be able to offer up all of, you know, different types of voices other than my very specific experience of three kids um, the ages they were. So I started having people write about teenagers and kids who were at college and, you know, toddlers and just all different people of all different backgrounds and people who were just united by the fact that they were parents. And that's enough to bring us together because it's such a, such a crazy thing that we embark on when we have these kids. <laughs> I, Oh yeah, it's it's not anything that you ever in a million years could ever dream of how it's gonna pan out. I mean, every day no, we're even. I kind of think, yeah, I was gonna say even just even like the nightmares of like you just, you just can't you can't imagine the highs or the lows at all before right. you're thrown into that. Yeah, or even in the right in the moment of each one, they're also different too. <laughs> so, and when just when Absolutely. you think you're like, oh, I've got this nailed, then you know, then the left hook comes out of nowhere. And, oh, that's why you um, can never ever think that you've mastered it because the second that you start to feel cocky, you know, the universe yeah, exactly. is like, ha ha ha, you. <laughs> well, so let's talk for a minute about how you even came up with the name scary mommy you know I mean did you think you were a bad mom or was scary mommy just like kind of a joke yeah with yourself or it was sort of a yeah I never thought I was scary The, the name specifically came from my middle son who right around the time when I started the website had seen some Disney movie and I wish I could remember what it was and I can't but he was afraid of everything. So his, mm-hmm. his bed was scary. The lunch I made was scary. The babysitter was scary. And he referred to me as Scary Mommy at the time when I was, had been looking at blog names. And I just thought it was funny. Um, I didn't yeah. really see it as something that was, um, you know, Catchy. truthful. Or, yeah, I just, it just made me laugh. And like I said, I mean, I thought this was going to be a fleeting little thing that I'd design a logo for because I was a graphic designer and that's what I like to do. But I didn't um, – it just made me laugh. And as it evolved, I think it sort of, as the site evolved, being a scary mommy sort of became um, just, a, like you said, a mom who is imperfect, who has grit, who, you know, looks at other moms as her village and is um, just isn't too precious about everything. And mm-hmm. so it really, it seemed to work well, um, I think, from, from sort of how it started to where it went, I hope. Oh, well, I mean, I think the name is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I think it just, it says it all. Um, and, it, and it became, in a sense, I think, during, I mean, especially like the first few years, it seemed as, as an outsider looking in, you know, and just reading about 
you know, stories or PR that you got or different people talking about your site, um, like on different mommy groups and stuff, that just it resonated so much with moms because they could sort of joke about themselves at that point, right, and just call themselves a scary mommy. It, you know, it kind of became uh, a word like Google, <laughs> right? Like people just <laughs> can, can talk that. about themselves. Yeah. Where you could well, like, it's like to a that badge of word. yeah, and I, I it's like a badge of honor. Totally, I envisioned um, getting a big tattoo of it on myself, which I'm yeah. glad I didn't do. But that was sort of how I thought of it. Was like you're branded a scary mommy, and you're like a scary mommy for life. And uh, yes, yeah, just sort of that stamp of I don't know of unapproval, approval, <laughs> something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so as the website grew, let's talk about the story just a little bit for you. Like, I mean, as millions of moms started, you know, hitting your site and signing up and becoming a part of it, how did you handle all of that when it took off? I mean, because that wasn't the original intent. So that it must have been a bit of a shocker or, you know, it was. kind of like, wait, I got, I got to kind of figure out what to do with this now that a billion people are reading it. Totally. When it, the, the first, after maybe like, I don't know, three, four months, I started really getting into blogging and understanding. I didn't, when I started the blog, I didn't understand the point. I thought it was really just me putting out content, and I didn't understand that there was, you know, the whole interaction between the readers and the community. And once, once I that clicked in my head and I realized like, okay, so I may not fit in in my town and I may not have the, the PTA moms in real life, you know, who I'm gravitating towards and I'm not finding my people. I can have this place that gives me that, um, mm -hmm. which was super, I mean, I needed it in my life as much as everybody else needed it in theirs. Um, I think I totally lost track of what your actual question was, Rambling. Oh, I was just saying, like, how did you handle the growth? Like, you know, oh, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what the process was. Like, how, you know, all of a sudden, like, because really, you said that you built this to share your life with your family, right? Instead of just it's, sending. Totally. Um, yeah. The growth. It, I think it felt from afar, and certainly in retrospect, that it, like it was very fast and the turnaround from my little blog into this massive website was, you know, like a blink in overnight. Um, it didn't feel that way on my end. I spent um, probably two years after I started the blog really going to um, blogging conferences and networking and meeting bloggers and doing as much connecting with different people as I could so that when it, when it really felt like it, went to the next level, I'd sort of formed so many fundamental relationships that it didn't, I don't know, I felt sort of protected from the, from the larger scale of it. It sort of, and once it got really big, I started writing a lot less about my own kids. They were getting older and it went from gradually from me writing every day to every other day to a couple times a week to once a week, once a month, um, and then fizzled out yeah. to the point where I really wasn't comfortable writing about the kids at all. So sure. when I could just be a face of the site, but it wasn't my kids as much attached to it, it was, it was definitely easier. When it was personal stories and times that I felt like I'd make myself vulnerable in front of so many people, that was absolutely 
overwhelming. Um, and I think is a, a large part why I haven't really written anything in the last few years because it is um, overwhelming once you have an audience. It's different starting something as a little blog that you think nobody's going to read and wanting to start, you know, with something you've, you've sort of built. Yeah. <laughs> well, so as you, as you started writing less and less, you know, through, through the years, did, did you bring – you brought on, obviously, other people to write stories, or did you just take curated content from other websites? How, how did you sort of build the, how did you build that business, you know, from just your own personal musings, right, and stuff about yep. your own family and make it bigger than just you? It, it started out really gradually. At the beginning, it was, um, I would write a post for another blog and the other blog would write a post for me and I, you know, we would each promote the other and that, that's really how it went on for several years. Um, and then when the internet sort of started shifting into a lot of confessional type articles and um, things that felt like they could have a home on Scary Mommy, you know, I started pursuing those as well and, and having some um, publishing arrangements with different websites and swaps and all that sort of thing. Um, and the confessional, a couple years into the site, I introduced this anonymous confessional for what I thought would be just kind of funny, lighthearted parenting mess-ups. I wasn't thinking of it um, in a particularly deep therapeutic way at the time, but it sort of mm -hmm. um, exploded pretty early on um, and really was everything from, you know, so funny and so relatable to, oh, my God, I think I need to call the FBI. Yeah, that was, that's, yeah, people are, um, the Internet brings out, you know, Lots of people, and most are wonderful, and then there's some who you're just like, God, I, I hope you are just not real. <laughs> you are just like some exactly. person making this up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have to think that Can for you? my sanity. Oh, exactly, yeah, because I've thought that sometimes reading some of them. I'm like, wow, you really just put it out there. <laughs> Oh, can you just tell everyone listening briefly? I'll just let you tell what the Mommy Confessionals is because it's such an awesome idea, um, just so that they know what we're talking about. Yeah, of course. Um, so I had noticed that people, people were reading, but they weren't necessarily commenting on posts that were a little dark or required them to really be honest with themselves and put that out there, that people would just kind of, you know, leave like, ah, or I relate or whatever, but they wouldn't really get into it. And when people would write anonymous comments, they would leave paragraphs, like pouring their hearts out in the comment section. And I thought, what if there was a place where everything was anonymous and people could just come and, you know, talk about the, the fact that they have four different pizza boxes from different restaurants, like stacked up in their fridge and, <laughs> that's what their family is eating for dinner. Like, if you're not proud of that, but it's kind of nice to hear that you aren't the only one. Um, right. So, and, you know, just general, um, 
a lot of confessions about relationships, about unhappy marriages, dealing with parents, but just, you know, there's, life is not easy and it's a struggle. And I think people, the, on the confessional, there, um, there are three buttons. There's a, a hug, a like, and a me too. And all of those are innately, you know, supportive. It's not, um, there's not a dislike, there's not a frown, there's not a question, there's not a, I, I don't know, anything judgy in the least, which mm-hmm. is what I, I, you know, I wanted it to only be positive. Because the last thing you want is to spill some, you know, something you're ashamed of and then be bashed for it. So I love that this is a place that people could just get support and nothing but support. Um, but it is definitely, definitely a time sucker. <laughs> Uh, and, and so when and so just so people know, you just can go to Scary Mommy and you can post right there. On yes, if you go to the Mommy Confessionals, a little thing pops up and you can just put in your confession and hit send, and it's all totally anonymous. And you can read all the other ones, and you know, you are and, instantly absolved of any guilt. Yes, it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> No matter what religion, it doesn't matter. <laughs> totally. Um, Nobody's and, judging. And so, Although, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe someone's judging now because I'm not there. So I don't know. Well, but also sure people can it. judge on their in, inside their own body and brain, but they can't actually judge exactly. against a person on your site because it's all positive. Nobody can and, feel. Right. right yes. Exactly. No one is yeah. going to feel attacked. Which exactly. Is, uh, refreshing, I feel like, in this um, – day and age online. Sure, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because if you put the same thing on your Facebook page, you might get a lot of haters. Um, yes. So so let's talk about what kind of the public's reaction was to this. You know, like, did you, did you get a lot of backlash from the media or people about having, having this amazing confessional place that people can talk about all the crazy things or thoughts they have or, you know, I wanted to kill my kids today or whatever they're saying, right? Um, <laughs> that, you know, but, but I imagine because it was such like kind of an interrupter at the time because there wasn't another place where people could have that ease of posting without negative comments. Yeah. Um, yeah, people, the general public was pretty – Immediately, I mean, the first, like, two months, I was just posting all the confessions because nobody knew about it. And I was just like, I have to fill this up. So I was just thinking of, like, every instance where I felt like a, you know, bad mom. And I would just (laughs) confess in the confessional. And the response, there really wasn't much of a backlash. Um, There was one, I was on um, a talk show, and someone had called in the subject was the confessional and I didn't know who this person was and this person called in and just railed against it how irresponsible it was and how you know just it, I didn't know it was, it was I was really caught off guard and it was so negative and I came out of the recording studio and the guy was taking the mics out of my ears and I said God, that guy was such a dick I'm sorry I don't know if I can say that um yeah that's fine who was he <laughs> and the guy said you mean Dr. Drew <laughs> didn't realize that was who the caller was <laughs> and you're like, 
you're like, no yes, idea. and as I said, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That case still stands. Um, so yeah. that was really the first time where I felt like I was put on the defensive about it. But um, yeah, really, I think people just saw the need to be able to just sort of purge yourself of, of things that were eating you up and, and didn't have any right to. I mean, you know, obviously if there's something that you're acing at that was a serious, you know, issue then that needed to be dealt with. But um, mm-hmm. no, it was the, the confessional has been, um, I, yeah, it, it's an interesting place. I'm not sure how to wrap it up. Other than well, but it's, been, but it's been a positive experience. You didn't get a lot of negative backlash about it, no. you know, because sometimes you no, think, you know, really. people think out of the box or they suggest something that's just so outrageous, right? And, you know, and I, I just, you know, I just was curious because it, yeah. it could have the been worst. something that you could have had a lot of negative feedback about, no, it, you it, know, from, it, from the media. Totally. No, I think, I mean, if I'd launched it now, maybe I would have. I think I was still under the radar enough at the time. Um, the hardest mm-hmm. issue I had with the confessional was that at the beginning, it was unmoderated. And once in a while, I would get somebody when I was the only person who was moderating the site who realized that and they would leave like obscene or just ridiculous confessions. And I would delete them in real time. And we'd have like this war in real time of me deleting. Oh my God. Yes. And it was always at like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, there's gotta be, there's got to be an easier way to do this. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> you've got to figure it out. <laughs> and then I found a moderation system that allowed it to sort of get, you know, they all went into a queue and you went in every every so often and approved or deleted. Um, but that was a, a lesson I had to learn the hard way. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> I can just totally picture you like two o'clock in the morning with your hair sticking up, like delete, delete, uh-huh. delete. Like, can you delete. go to bed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, where do you live? <laughs> Maybe it was the middle of the day for them. Um, oh, that's so funny. Um, well, so how how do you decide? I mean, obviously, I assume the blog was monetized um, at some point. Um, and and how did that happen? At the beginning, early on, before I really had page views and followers, you know, I it was the early days of blogging, and it was you'd write about products, and you'd get something, and you'd documented and I guess that's what influencers do now. Um, so at the beginning mm-hmm. it was really just I wasn't working for money. I would just work for like a cool new print that I could hang on my wall or like a new, right. you know, pillow that was super soft or something. Um, but once after, I don't know, after maybe two and a half, three years, um, I started to put ads on the site and it's um, – in, let's see, um, God, 2014 maybe, I think Facebook changed an algorithm and it really, it just resulted in an influx in page views and it's really when the site exploded and that's when ad revenue really just went crazy because it's based on purely page views and I would have posts sure. that would go crazy viral for, you know, you couldn't figure out why there was this great, there's this video on 
Facebook that some guy had publicly posted, and it was of him taking a plate, pouring a bunch of grapes on it, putting another plate on top of it, and taking a knife and slicing all the way through so it cut all of the grapes evenly in half, which I've never actually managed to get that to happen. But anyway, (laughs) I posted it on Scary Mommy, and it was viewed like 8 million times in a couple of days, and it made more money than I'd made in like six months on that one singular post. So I was like, oh, my God, I need to start figuring out, like, what is this formula? But, um, you know, it, the, the formula doesn't exactly always align with um, what's best for the site. And, you know, that's, that's a whole other issue. But, yeah, it's, it was ad revenue and then occasional um, partnership deals with um, different companies that were sort of one-offs or like a six-month campaign, um, like Target and Quaker mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just stuff like that. So, yeah, it is – it's not easy to monetize this site. And I think the days of the um, posts and the videos going as viral as they did for that brief period of time are kind of gone. Like all of – all of those sites, like um, – not, not BuzzFeed, but like the BuzzFeedy ones, um, all yeah. of the viral ones. And it was such an annoying period because you'd like constantly get bombarded with, you know, just obnoxious viral videos, but they were also making so much money for the publishers that um, it's, you know, easy to, to understand it. Yeah. And and so so basically advertising, you know, is – is how you guys made money and then maybe some of your side deals that you had with bigger companies. Um, But did you also, did you ever do advertising of your own, like Facebook ads or Google ads or anything, or you just never needed to because you had just the the natural organic draw? I never did until I sold the site and then they started to, um, the new owners. But Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, and I still, I think there's something about um, traffic that you pay for that is different, and it's not going to stick mm-hmm. the same way, and it's not going to mm-hmm. create the same community that someone finding a post through a friend or a mommy group or, you know, an email that's forwarded um, is going to do. But, yeah, that's, they, they definitely do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, since you brought up that you sold Scary Mommy, um, so you sold it in 2015, right? And then worked there for a few years and left last right. year in 2018. Correct. So t- can you talk a little bit about, if you feel comfortable, what it was like to sell a company that you built and then work for a parent company? It was horrible. <laughs> I assume because you left. <laughs> yeah. It's not been great. Um, no, I mean, it was selling the company was – so exciting because I was, yeah, I was working so hard at this job, and, and at the time I had sold it, I had um, five employees who started as volunteers right back when I um, launched my message boards years before, and eventually when I was able to pay them, and I was, you know, making money on the site, I paid them, and they they came along um, once I sold it as well. So the first first six months post-sale were so exciting. I was going to New York twice a week. I was staying in hotels. I had an expense account. 
was like a big scary mommy neon sign like it was you know felt so cool I loved it Mm -hmm. and they had so much um, respect for what I had built I think once um, I think they realized gradually that the um, revenue could be so much more than it was in ways that I hadn't wanted to do I didn't I was very particular about the ads and not having them. I didn't want any pop-ups ever. I didn't want anything above the fold. Like everything had to be below the fold. It had to be not animated. Cause I, it was just like picky pet peeves of my own that I hated as a um, consumer on a website. I didn't want to put that on mine. And mm-hmm. those all make more money. You know, the more the more ads you put on a site, the more the higher the revenue is. And I, I sure understand you know that predicament but um, I felt like my job as the founder and the you know the creator of the voice was really to maintain that voice and to stand up for it when I felt like it was um, when I just sort of being shushed and I it I just really started fighting a lot I fought over ads, over advertisers, over um, sponsored content, over a lot of the user experience and things that um, I think the, the owners had decided were just going to be, and it wasn't up for debate. And I think after a while, mm-hmm. the friction was just too, too much. Um, so leaving Scary Mommy, um, I did – really impulsively um, because I was so frustrated and so New York had become um, I, I hated going I came in and I just felt like a like this dead weight and it was just miserable around the office versus the the excitement that was there before um, so it really that combines with um, the site sort of transitioning into more of a millennial focus, which I am not getting younger. <laughs> That's yeah. not happening to me. Sad that that um, to us, right? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, yeah. it, it was definitely time to leave, and it was a really mm-hmm. great couple of weeks when I left, and I felt like, you know, I'd sort of done my time, and I stayed on for longer than I'd committed to, and I was really um, – happy just to be able to be home more and around more that got old very quickly um and after a couple of weeks i was just sort of like what hello what what is my life like i have nothing i don't have anything to do. um yeah exactly right. i i don't know i don't know anything anymore um and mm-hmm. i had <clears throat> allotted from the sale of scary mommy that that i could take around a year off to really figure out what I was going to do um, before I needed to start making a paycheck. And I, I thought mm-hmm. that year would just, um, you know, it felt like so much time that I had all the time in the world to conceive of anything I wanted to do. Um, and then I just really had trouble doing anything at all because I just wanted to stay in bed and um, <laughs> never turn on the computer again. Right. <laughs> I yeah. can understand. Well, and also, I mean, did you kind of feel um, that 
you'd been doing this for so long. I mean, 10 years, right? I mean, you'd been started in 2008, left in 2018. And that, you know, the blog, right, that scary mommy was who you were at that point, you know, because I think in a sense it it can start to define, you know, your job can start to define who you are. And then, you know, when you wake up one day and you're like, I'm not that person anymore. And what else do I know how to do? Right. Totally. I mean, did you ever? I because I felt like that when I, after I lost day, my hand, handbag company. Yeah, when I lost my handbag company after nine eleven, I looked at my dad and I was like, "I'm so pathetic. All I know how to do is make handbags and babysit." <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> You know, and I was, I don't know, 37 or 38 at the time. And I was like, uh, yeah, those are two really unmarketable skills, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, and he, he, luckily he was just, you know, very positive about it for me. And plus I'd also lost the trademark to my own name and all of that too. So I was like, and uh, I can't even use my own name. And, uh, um, you know, and he's like, you know, just, you know, I don't know, go do something different, you know, let your, let just let your wild brain go or something, you know, it was just like, don't try to make something happen. And, um, yeah. but I felt really no, lost and I, I can imagine, you know, after all that time as being categorized as scary mommy that you wake up and you're like, I am just a mom and a, you know, I have, I have my three kids and now what? Totally, totally. Yeah, it was, I really underestimated how much of, how much Scary Mommy became a part of me, and without it, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it was such a big part of me. It was, it was, I put everything, every spare minute into that um, sure. for 10 years, and yeah, I really, I sort of at the end thought, like, so long, like, I'm done. I'm like, so done with you. Yeah, um, that's and then it hit me. Yeah, and it really hit me quickly. And also, just the, the days of, even though I have always worked primarily from home, you know, except for the last two years when I went into New York twice a week, um, it was, I had no structure in my day. I had nothing at all to my kids left for summer camp, and then I had nothing for like three months, which sounds kind of heavenly but for me where I was at that point was not a good thing because I had no Mm -hmm. reason to get out of bed and to you know just see friends to talk to people to to get out to shop to do anything um right so yeah it it was much tougher than I thought and there's a lot about that there's there's not a lot about people leaving companies and then struggling in the little because I've researched it because I've wanted to find, you know, in this, this past year, I feel like all I've done is consume um, voices from different people that I'm sort of craving at the time. And I wanted to find entrepreneurs who were struggling and depressed and, you know, just however they were dealing with it. And there just wasn't so much out there. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it's, I don't know how else you would feel, you know, once you, when you yeah, I think so much. Of course, a, a whole part of you. I mean, I think that it's super common. Well, I mean, same thing happened to me. So it's me and you. So hopefully, hopefully there's other people out there, right, that feel the same way. Yeah. But, but I think that kind of going back to the whole 
reason your whole website took off to begin with is that you were willing to put yourself out there, be honest, and not be afraid to share what was happening. But I still think that most people out there, just in my personal experience, I could totally be wrong, but that people are still afraid to share their real feelings publicly, especially, you know, and share the shitty times, right, as well as the awesome times, right? You have an amazing time building a business, you know, whatever your business is, things go, you know, south somewhere, you know, whether it's, you know, I lost my company after 9-11, you, you know, didn't have a good experience with the people who purchased it, so you decided to leave, you know, other people sell their companies, you know, even if they make tons of money, they're still left with nothing but the bank account, right, which doesn't necessarily bring you happiness because you still have to wake up and be you, <laughs> right? No, and so true. And so I'm not surprised to hear that you couldn't find a lot, you know, to read or find people who are talking about that. And I think it's so important, and I think a lot of, especially women who sell businesses or lose their business or something happens, right, where it doesn't work out, I think that they're afraid to talk about it because it might impede the next one. Um, and and they don't look at it. Sorry, I was just going to say, it's also, it's also hard. It's so much easier to talk about the fun stuff and to to post the fun pictures and to talk about when things are exciting. Um, But when they're, they're tough and things aren't good, it's, and you're feeling crappy, it's hard it's hard enough to rally yourself to do what you need to do to get the things in your day done, but then to actually mm-hmm. rally and come up, you know, be able to express yourself and put it out there for other people to consume and make yourself vulnerable and open yourself up to sort of the outside, which you feel very protected by when you're not posting. Um, it's much, much easier to, to post happy party pictures and pretty things in your house. Um, exactly. So, it's, yeah. Yeah. So then what did you, what did you decide? You've had, you've had all this time now in summer. <laughs> I haven't decided. Do you have a plan? <laughs> no. No, I know. That's okay. Oh, that's all right. It took me three years to figure out mine. So. Oh, God. Um, I have ideas and I have, I have, I have a couple of different things that I know I want to accomplish. I know there's something about um, bringing women together organically um, around a a shared interest that I really am, am still passionate about and want to find a way to do that in person instead of online. Um, So that's one thing. And then, I feel like I have another book in me. I just don't feel like I've reached the end of the, <laughs> the chapter that I need to in order to start it. So I'm just <laughs> trying to figure that out. Um, and then, I don't know. I don't know. Some days I think, like, just I want to start, like, making ice cream and packaging it and selling it. So I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And I, I'm totally with you. I think it's great to take time and just let ideas churn and, you know, something amazing will hit you and you'll just be like, oh, I should have had a V8, you know, and it will be one of those moments. (laughs) Uh, Here's hoping. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk really quick about your book before I let you get on with your wondering what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Um, so I loved this little thing that I saw on Amazon, and I, I, I assume that you probably wrote this, and it says to read this before you read this book, The Mommy Confessions. Mm-hmm. And it says, I shall remember that no mother is perfect and my children will thrive because sometimes even in spite of me. I shall not preach to a fellow mother who has not asked my opinion. It's none of my damn business. And lastly, I shall maintain a sense of humor about all things motherhood. Um, and I just love yeah. that, that you had that on, on Amazon. And, and I think that it's such an amazing preface to people reading a book because it's, it's almost, in a sense, what I felt like when I was looking at your books that um, you almost need a warning right in that in that these this is the warning like if you're you know a goody two shoes mommy this might not be the right book for you yes, um exactly that's mm-hmm. exactly how the that the scary mommy manifesto and i conceived of it i i started writing it as a post and then ended up expanding on it in the book um but it was really a reaction to commenters on the blog who were just such uptight <laughs> you know, nitpicky, <laughs> awful people. And I was just like, get, I don't want you reading. I'd rather have like half of the readers if I could just get rid of all of you <laughs> and like yes. keep the people who are, you know, not total critics. Um, yeah. So the books are, the books are really the heart of Scary Mommy. They're, um, I mean, it's, it's, new content, but it really was, um, it was just the stories about my kids at the time when I had the blog, and um, just the first book is Confessions of a Scary Mommy, the second book is Motherhood Comes Naturally and Other Vicious Lies, um, yeah. and that one I really talk about just <laughs> what I what I thought parenthood would be like versus what it is, um, right. and yeah, it just um, and those are five ish years old, and I feel like God, it's <laughs> parenting now of tweens and teens is like just I can't believe I thought that was hard. This is just like a whole different set of problems that are way out of my wheelhouse. Um, but yeah, they're just they're fun, feel good, feel better about your parenting um, books. So. so. They make me happy. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, they're still they, there, but I they're they're like the original scary mommy. They're sort of like the yeah. there's some confessions in there. There's um, it's just yeah, they're they remind me of like the good old days of the blog. Mm-hmm. Also, more the essence of you and what you what you started yeah. and stood for and stand for now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jill. I just want to thank you for your honesty and for bringing bringing all of that to moms all over the world who, like me, are <laughs> very aware of their faults and imperfections and have to learn to embrace those, even if it's hard and you feel like a failure all the time. And that's the one I that's the hardest thing for me is to like not keep saying to my kids, Oh my God, I'm such a loser. (laughs) Um, 
you know, or it's like six o'clock and you're like, oh no, I forgot to make dinner. <laughs> you know, didn't and, you just uh, eat? Didn't you just yeah, like, can we just have cereal tonight? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we breakfast for dinner is like our emergency food. Uh, oh, I'm a big know. fan of that. French bread um, and bacon, French uh, French toast and bacon is <laughs> always in the fridge. Oh God, we're like Honey Nut Cheerios and maybe milk if I have it. <laughs> yes, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my, my secret. You. Yeah, my secret special meal that I keep in the freezer mostly at all times, which I am out of right now. I have to admit, Ooh. is I make meatballs and I make lots of them, it's really easy, and I freeze them, and then in the morning when you're like, what do I make, or even at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you can take them out of the freezer and make spaghetti and meatballs in like six minutes, or however long it takes to cook the pasta, <laughs> 12 minutes. Okay, and that's, I'm impressed because my hack is a bag of frozen meatballs from Trader Joe's that's in the freezer. So I'm impressed so, that you actually yes. even home make them. You get major credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why, because I live in a really small town and Trader Joe's is three and a half hours away. And if I still oh. lived in a big city, I would have, I always had the frozen ones from Trader Joe's. They're so, the best. I just. They are so good, and I just haven't found a, you know, grocery store brand that lives up to that, so I do make them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's my one special – that's my one special trick as a mom, my one trick. <laughs> my one trick pony. <laughs> that's a um, good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you again so much, and I look forward to catching up to you when you've reincarnated again, and we'll talk all about that another time. So thanks for awesome. tuning in to another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA, and I was talking with Jill Smokler, who was the founder of Scary Mommy. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.